Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also find me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes or send me an email at loveLettersandMixtapes at gmail.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week, I wanted to speak about some mildly controversial topics. Very often, these topics are pretty misunderstood, and they can be fairly triggering, so I absolutely understand that. But as we always do on this podcast, we are going to explore these topics with compassion. We are not looking to beat ourselves up, and we're looking at these topics with curiosity. Nothing I'm talking about is with certainty. I'm asking a lot of questions of myself, and I'm encouraging all of you to do the same. The main topic I'd like to highlight today is our intentions and our integrity. And to go deeper into that, we're going to explore fawning, people-pleasing, and manipulation. Now, before we go any deeper into this topic, I want to remind you that we are always approaching these topics with discernment because anyone could misconstrue anything that I'm speaking about. And we can use these topics to bully ourselves, to make ourselves feel horrible, beat ourselves up, or we could use these topics to absolve ourselves from the work that we absolutely need to do in our own lives. So nothing I'm saying is an across-the-board statement. Everything we talk about is an invitation for reflection to see where you are on the spectrum. And I know that that's not often what we see in the media, right? We are seeing a lot of, you are this, the other person is that, they're bad because of this, you're good because of this. And today I just want to talk about this topic because it's pretty confusing and it's really helpful and healthy to unpack this and reflect on our own behavior, our own intentions. And when they are in alignment with our integrity and what that means in our lives and our relationships. This topic first came up for me many, many years ago when I began exploring the experience of adult children of alcoholics, addiction, dysfunction, whatever that means for you, the isms. That could be sex addiction, that could be gambling. That could be mental illness in your family. Anything that was coming up that was creating a sense of dysregulation. And that is not to point fingers at anyone. 
It's to observe that when this is going on and we are experiencing it at a very young age, it's so confusing. We don't have a lifetime of experience to compare these situations to. So when you're five years old and you're living in a house where you cannot trust your caregiver, where you don't know if you're going to have the resources, where you are physically, emotionally, mentally, financially unsafe, it can be very challenging and we immediately have to drop into our coping mechanisms, as awkward as they can be at that age, because we have to survive. And if we never really unpack these experiences when we get older, if we do the thing that everyone wants us to do, which is just get over it, just move past it. It happened when you were young. You're an adult now. You're fine. When we try to do all of those things, we find that we are in conflict in many areas of our life and it can be very confusing. We're trying so hard and things are not going our way. Why is that? And we can look around and begin blaming other people, pointing fingers, thinking it's people, places, and things. And sometimes, yes, it can be. But the one constant in our lives is ourselves. And so it can be very empowering if we check in with ourselves first and say, how am I perceiving this situation? How am I showing up to the situation? What tools am I relying on? And in saying that, that is not placing blame solely on ourselves. And I know that that is a common misconception when we try to discuss this topic. It's actually very empowering to say, I'm calling my power back to me and saying, what is happening in this situation? Can I make a change? And if I cannot, what else needs to shift? A long time ago, I heard this phrase, People who are not treating you well won't treat you better if you work harder. And my little adult child of an alcoholic brain was immediately triggered because that goes against every single thing that I think, that I've been programmed to think, every cell in my body that tells me if you could just be better, if you could just be smarter, if you could just be prettier, if you could just work harder, if you could just be more invisible, everything would be fine. And I think a lot of us can resonate with that. And it can be very hard to hear someone say that out loud. But when we grow up in these environments where we're not really that safe, we can't look around and think that it is our caregiver who is at fault. We have to internalize it. Because if I think it's up to them, I won't survive. But if I can constantly blame myself, I can say, well, I can fix it. I can be smarter. I can get better grades. I can be nicer to everyone. I can smile more or I can be more invisible. And at the time, that might be what saves us. And I really think that that's important. And I don't want to overlook that because this is a coping mechanism that gets us from point A to point B, from point B to point C. But if we never reflect on it, and if we never allow that to evolve and mature, we can get really stuck in this cycle and it begins to distort in our lives. And so that leads me to the topic of manipulation. And I know that in the media today, everything I see in my Instagram and on TikTok, all about the quote unquote narcissist and how they are manipulative and that person's toxic and they're manipulative and I can be hypervigilant and keep my eye out and spot what they're doing. But there is almost no conversation about 
when we are being manipulative or that manipulation is a really human experience and it doesn't mean that we are the most evil person who has ever existed. It probably means we're just human and we're trying to cope and we're trying to navigate a situation and get our needs met. And sometimes it does get evil and it gets really harmful. And then other times it's something we do every day and we don't even notice it. So as we get deeper into this conversation, I'm going to encourage you to really reflect on where you are at with this and not punish yourself and maybe not immediately absolve yourself either and say, let me check in. Have I been manipulative? What does that look like? How does that show up in my relationships? And what are the consequences? And I don't have a how-to guide to discover if you're being manipulative, but we can have a conversation about this because something that feels pretty obvious to me is if we experience intense resentment when we believe that we have been altruistic, kind, and giving, and we do not receive the response that motivated our initial behavior, that's a pretty good sign that there's a little manipulation going on. Maybe also checking in with our discomfort or our uneasy feelings. I think very often we can be easily disconnected from our physical body or our energy body, and it can be helpful to check in and say, hmm, what's that feeling? What's that feeling in my gut when I'm doing this thing and I know it's kind of sneaky, and I'm trying to put on this mask that I'm this helpful, altruistic, kind, loving, giving person, and that's the only reason I'm doing it, but I can turn on a dime if you don't respond the way I want you to. That's something to think about. And I want to reiterate, this does not make us bad people. It makes us pretty human. It makes us humans raised by other humans who also had similar experiences. And we are just working this out in a very messy way and trying to figure out how we can show up in our wholeness, how we can receive other people's wholeness. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I heard this other quote that was, I accidentally spent all of my life making sure everyone else around me felt comfortable, only to realize that I never felt comfortable the whole time. And I thought about that, mostly because generally I'm a people displeaser, not a people pleaser, so <laughs> that's not something I really navigate a lot. But I do recognize it, and I know when that comes up, and I know that even for myself, when I am feeling the most disempowered, that can be my go-to, being raised in a home where you are the one who has to find the resources. You have to make sure that the resources are allocated. You have to make sure that everyone is doing the right thing because you're so afraid that the next thing is going to go wrong. I think a lot of us can relate to that too. Very often on this podcast, I talk about the secondary gain of what we're doing, and that's not an I gotcha thing. That is an invitation to reflect on what is really underneath what I'm telling myself is the purpose of this? What is the secondary gain of us minimizing our need, of saying we have no need, 
we have no want of being invisible, of being perfect, of being what someone else wants us to be, being a people pleaser, of hiding our personalities, hiding our flaws, hiding our wants and needs. What is the secondary gain of that? Is it safety? Is it acceptance? Is it the quieting of that thing that's running through our brain that says if they really knew you, they wouldn't want you? If they knew this about you, they would know that you were unlovable. They would know that you were stupid. They would know that you were worthless. So checking in with what is motivating me right now? Is it coming from a place of giving or is it coming from a place of grasping? And once I find my answer, can I introduce compassion for myself, no matter where I am on that spectrum? And I'm bringing up this topic, not so that we beat ourselves up, but so that we can invite some awareness into how is this behavior or this response or this overreaction preventing us from the connection that we truly want? Because if we do not show up as our authentic selves, if we are always wearing the mask, if we are always playing the part, how can we be upset when people don't connect with us or don't trust us or don't show up for us in the same way? And that can be really confronting for those of us who do sometimes engage in those behaviors because we can almost think to ourselves, but they won't find us out. I'm doing this for the right reason. I'm trying to be kind. But there's that dysregulation, that thing that's not quite clicking. There's that lack of authenticity in the situation, in the relationship. And we can't quite put our finger on it, but we can feel it. And I do think it's okay if we have some distorted perceptions around what the word manipulation means, what it actually is and what it isn't. It is really a bid to get our needs met. And therefore, I'm going to say something I say in a lot of these podcast episodes, that we are not doing this to harm ourselves. This is not a new, special, fun way to beat ourselves up. And it's not a way to look at other people and point a finger at them and tell them that they're bad. Maybe it's saying that it's neither bad or good. It's just something that we no longer want to do anymore. The real progress can be pulling back from pointing our fingers at other people and instead feeling safe enough to begin looking in the mirror and taking our own inventory to see in what ways am I attempting to manipulate other people and situations and what is it removing from my life what is it blocking me from and what is it introducing into my life and is that what I want listen if you love it if it's working for you you can just fast forward through this podcast, but if you've ever found that those moments when you are people pleasing or fawning or trying very hard to make something happen and it doesn't go your way and you are destroyed over it, maybe this is where we can introduce some awareness. So what would that look like in our lives? I think a really simple step this week is we could continually ask ourselves, am I showing up in service? Am I approaching situations in an attempt to see what I can contribute? Or am I showing up and immediately wondering what I can get? And am I reacting or overreacting when I don't get what I think I deserve? 
And I think I've said it about a hundred times so far in this podcast, but this is really an invitation to be gentle with ourselves because we are coming up against coping mechanisms that have probably saved our lives. So that silencing ourselves, pushing away our emotions, dissociating from situations, so many times that probably got our needs met in a moment when it was truly critical. If we spent our time being hypervigilant and anticipating the emotions, the thoughts, the behaviors, the compulsions of other people, it can be really challenging when someone says, oh, you get to put that down now. You don't have to do that anymore. It's like they're saying, oh, you're just in the middle of the ocean. You can toss away your life vest. This thing that kept us afloat, this thing that we have convinced ourselves saved us, and it may have saved us. Someone is saying, now that you're an adult, throw that away. You don't need it anymore. Now you're being manipulative. That can be so confronting and really hard to hear, especially when there's probably people in our lives who are being aggressively manipulative and aggressively harmful. And we can say, well, why do I have to look at myself if that person's doing it? Because it's not a competition. Because we're here for us. We're here to work on ourselves. And that's why we're talking about this today. And I could probably do an entire episode on fawning. It's such a deep topic. And we may have heard about it in relation to fight, flight, freeze, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And the term fawning was initially coined by a therapist named Pete Walker, who wrote about it in his book, Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. And in that book, he describes fawning as the use of people-pleasing to diffuse conflict, feel more secure in relationships, and earn the approval of others. And when we do that, we are essentially mirroring the imagined expectations and desires of other people in a maladaptive way of creating safety in our experiences, in our connections, in our relationships. And for so many of us, we probably had an experience that taught us that this is the way to survive. But to highlight even the title of his book, From Surviving to Thriving. And that's what this topic is all about. I read a wonderful article, I think it was a few years ago, by a writer named Sam Dylan Finch. And they wrote about fawning, and they provided such a beautiful explanation of what this is. And so I'd like to just highlight a few things that they mentioned in their article. I think it was seven things that people who fawn or people pleasers might relate to. So if you're on the fence and you're not sure, hey, is this something I'm engaging in? I'm going to read a few of these and let's see if you resonate with that. Number one, you struggle to feel seen by others. Number two, you do not know how to say no to people. Number three, you're either spewing emotions out of nowhere or you're unloading them onto distant strangers. Number four, you feel guilty when you are angry at other people. Number five, you feel responsible for other people's reactions. Number six, you find yourself compromising your values. And number seven, you sometimes dissociate in social situations. These were seven things that this person noted were something that people who fawn can really relate to. Maybe that did resonate for you. And if it does and you find yourself engaging in any of those seven behaviors, I would really encourage you to learn a little bit more about this. 
because very often what seems very normal for us, those unconscious reactions we have, they're actually a doorway for deeper understanding. And I think in our brains we can think, this is it, I've plateaued, this is the final destination. But if we've come up against something that is not really working in our lives, there's always another option. And I think learning about these things, reading about them, talking to other people, listening to other podcasts, finding out, is this something that other people are experiencing? It can make you feel safe in exploring this further. And this is really the benefit of being in community, not isolating ourselves, sharing with other people, being present, being seen. And that could be group therapy. That could be a support group. That could be a group of friends you really relate to. But we've had this thing moving through our brain our entire lives, and it's in a really convincing voice, and it's telling us all the time, there's just this one way to save yourself. There's just this one way to deal with this situation. And it sounds so much different when we're sitting in community and we hear someone else say the thing that we thought was only ours. And we see, based on their story, how it's negatively impacting their lives. And there's that aha moment, that click in our brains that says, oh my God, I do that. I don't want to do that anymore. That's actually harming me. There's another way. And that's how we call our power back to ourselves, because at the core of this, we have felt very disempowered. We have felt very isolated. We have probably felt shame. And so when we can show up in community and begin to work on these things, it can be so healing. And community could be anything for you. I'm not a particularly social person. I'd actually say I'm pretty antisocial. So I am not the one who's going to go on a wellness retreat and join a big group. I really would not like doing that, but I have definitely seen the benefit of showing up in community. And community can initially just be listening to a podcast, listening to voices you resonate with, and getting used to that, getting used to hearing things that you don't always agree with, and that person not saying that they are absolutely right, just sharing in conversation without judgment. And that can lead to a curiosity about what would being in a group be like? Maybe I don't have to share. Maybe I can just show up. And do I have the tolerance to listen? Do I have the tolerance to listen to someone talk about something I don't agree with, I don't resonate with, or something that absolutely levels me because I feel like they're talking about me? They're talking about this thing that I'm so ashamed of and I have to sit here and listen to it and not overreact. And then maybe that's an introduction into taking some sort of action in our own lives. And I'm a big believer in baby steps. Just get started. I know that very often we can self-sabotage. And what self-sabotage looks like in these situations is if I can't fix everything today, right now, in the next 20 minutes, I probably shouldn't do anything. I think that's a pretty familiar story for many of us. So I'm saying, just do the next right thing. Just take the next indicated action, whatever that is. Maybe look up another podcast about fawning or people-pleasing or manipulation today and see what someone else has to say about it. I'm not the final voice. I'm just a person sitting in my dining room on a Sunday morning talking about this thing that I feel pretty safe talking about. Before we wrap this episode up, I want to mention another word that there's a lot of misconception around, but it has a lot to do with manipulation, and that word is humility. 
I talk about it a lot on this podcast, and I'm always trying to drive it home that humility is not humiliation. Humility is an understanding that I am an integral part of a situation, but I am not the origin of the situation. I'm playing a part. I'm a conduit. Things are moving through me. Humility at its core is an invitation to step away from grandiosity. And grandiosity has a very close relationship with people-pleasing and manipulation and fawning. Grandiosity is saying, I can change the outcome. I can change how that person is thinking, feeling, speaking, what they're doing based on me changing myself. And I'm just going to invite you to think about that this week. When you show up in situations and you think, well, I'm the hurt one, I'm the harmed one, how could I be grandiose in this situation? But grandiosity is saying, I'm going to wear this mask and you're not going to figure it out and I'm going to change the outcome. And personally, I believe that I would rather show up as my full, authentic self in a situation and meet those consequences than walk around carrying thousand pound mask the rest of my life and lying to the people around me and not showing them who I am and not really showing up and not really inviting connection because I'm telling them I've got to be in control of it. I have to play chess. And that's something to think about this week. So until next time, please make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Take a moment to like, rate, review this podcast. And maybe send me an email at loveletters and mixtapes at gmail.com.